You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hey everyone, it's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. I have another delicious episode for you. This is all about moms and daughters. And um, I am so excited to welcome Jenny Marie back to my podcast and her daughter, Jasmine. So let me tell you a little bit about these beautiful human beings that are sitting in front of me today. So Jenny Marie is a mom. She's a licensed family therapist, marriage and family therapist. She's an author, speaker, mindfulness instructor, entrepreneur, trauma specialist, and intimacy coach. So you're like, you can just help anyone with almost anything. Um, And you were on my podcast before uh, in an episode, which we called uh, Mindfulness for Teens. Um, And that was, uh, if, if anybody's interested in listening to it, it's a fantastic episode. Jenny is so knowledgeable in this area. And uh, it is the 30th episode of Parenting Our Future, incidentally, which um, which originally aired on um, February the 4th in 2020. And we have her daughter here. We have Jasmine Nicole. She's a daughter, a former child actor, life coach, body image counselor, um, health at every size provider, mindfulness practitioner, and a TV film intimacy coordinator. Wow, you guys have the coolest jobs ever. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm so happy to have you. you. We're so happy to be here. That's so great. Now, what's so neat about you is you are sort of this cross-generational duo, if you will, where we've got a Gen X here with, uh, with Jenny Marie, and then you... Jasmine are a millennial. So this is, this is great to sort of talk to, talk to such a broad group. And Jenny, you and I are in the same group, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I already know. Um, I just started uh, later than you. So my kids are not millennials. I'm not even sure what group they're in yet. It's so hard to keep track these days. Who knows? (laughs) Yeah, right? Well, look, we are talking about something that is near and dear to your heart, which is relationships with your daughter. And boy, are these ever complicated relationships. And so I really kind of want to just open the floor up to both of you to talk about how do you have a good relationship with your daughter? Yeah, you know, I think it starts from the moment they're in our womb. Um, It's, you know, it's preparing ourselves for, hey, you know, what are the things I learned as I was growing up with the relationship with my mother? And what are those pieces that I want to teach to my daughter, if I know I'm having a daughter or, you know, my child? Uh, And what are the things that I want to maybe do a little different? I think we all kind of can relate to that piece of like, ah, yeah, you know, mom did that. I don't want to do that. Um, so it starts then just being reflective with ourselves, taking that mindful, compassionate moment and be able to go, okay, what do I want to teach my daughter and how can I go about, you know, embracing who she is and that she's different from me and to encourage that independent spirit uh, while giving her a little bit of guidance. Hmm. Well, and you said before we were recording that your friends were kind of noticing you didn't have this wild, out of control, disrespectful, disobedient uh, teen daughter. And, and they were like, how did you get that way? Right? 
Yeah. And, and so, so it must have worked. Clearly, Jasmine's sitting here today. If it didn't work, she wouldn't be here, right? And so, um, so where do you start? When do you start? How do you start? What happened? Like, I have so many questions about this. Like, what if you don't have a good relationship? Tell me all the things, please. Yeah, you know, um, Jasmine is a spicy redhead. So she was <laughs> spicy from the moment she was born. Um, and so, you know, I realized, okay, how do I uh, encapsulate that spiciness, uh, learn from that spiciness, but guide it. And so it really became with giving her options at a very early age. You know, I can remember when she was like even one, you know, her like turning her away and running away if I was trying to give her an outfit. So I started very young with, you know, hey, you want to wear this one or this one, giving her choices mm -hmm. of those outfits um, and really kind of redirecting her versus telling her, no, she couldn't do something, mm -hmm. um, but just redirecting uh, and managing my own anxiety as a parent. I think that's a really big piece because I think we tend to get anxious that, oh my gosh, if you do that, then this is going to happen. And then this is going to happen and you're going to be mm -hmm. in a terrible place in life. So I think you really have to manage your anxiety and do a little follow of the lead of your kid and just guide them. Yeah. I think that's so true, right? You've got to, you've got to honor the beating of their own heart and what they want. And, in, and we're not always in a place to do that, right? We're not always recognizing that that's what they want, but actually that just, it, it, it allows you to have that, that relationship when you honor who they really are. And by the way, Jasmine, I also have a spicy redheaded uh, child <laughs> and uh, uh, he is my 15 year old and I love him to bits and he is spicy, let me tell yeah, you. Yeah, you know, we have that real need to be independent and make our own choices in the world. So, you know, I got really lucky growing up with my mom who is a marriage and family therapist. So she had all of this great knowledge and mm -hmm. expertise to guide me in my life. And, you know, for parents who aren't so lucky to have all that learning, you know, it's great to have somebody to talk to about it as well. Because mm -hmm. figuring all this out yourself, I can imagine is just overwhelming. Like I'm not there in my life yet. I'm just 28 years old, doing my career, living fun and free in the world. Uh, but, you know, even just thinking about the concept of like, what would it be like if I had to take care of another person? How would I figure that out? Like if you didn't have somebody to talk to with that knowledge mm -hmm. to guide you, I think it would be impossible, right? Oh, true. And, you know, and, and that's why I do the work I do, right? Because it is this, you know, whether, whether you, whether you think you know or not, really, when you have a child, it is uncharted territory. You don't know what you don't know. And we will just parent the way we were parented, right? But, you know, I like what you said, Jenny, you're like, you know, thinking of, of the way you were parented and what you might want to do differently, right? And I think that's the place where a lot of parents are at right now. They're sort of at this place where they're like, you know, it doesn't feel good to parent the way I was parented necessarily. And so I need to do this a different way. Um, and so this mother-daughter relationship is really complex. Why is it so complex? Well, I think, again, we tend to project into our daughters sometimes mm -hmm. the way we wish we would have gone. And so we want to try to save them from the mistakes we made, not realizing, hey, the mistakes we made 
made us who we are today. Mm. And we learned through those mistakes. So again, it's just helping to guide them, but let them make their mistakes, let them fall down, go boom, because they're going to learn from that. They're going to be stronger for it. Um, and when they're ready to go out into that world, they're going to feel confident and they're going to be prepared really. Mm -hmm. And you were there to catch them when they fell, you know, wipe up the little boom booms mm -hmm. and then set them on their way again, giving them confidence. Hey, I know you can do it again this time. You can get them. Yeah. Well, and, and I think the key there is to not judge them when they fail and, uh, and fall to, you know, not try to protect them, to know that they're living their own life. Right. And, uh, and, and I think that what happens and, and, you know, Jasmine, this is what I'm sure your friends will tell you since you might not have had to have experienced this, but when we start to run our own agenda based on our own, whatever it is, inadequacy, our own, um, our own um, anxiety, like you said, uh, our kids just reject us, right? They don't, they're like, no, you're, you're not listening to me. You don't understand me. That's what you want. That's not what I want, right? Yeah, I think so often, you know, I mean, my mom and I say this all the time, like, I'm her carbon copy, I'm her mini me in life. And so often that is the dynamic of how the mother is thinking about the relationship. It's their mm. chance to protect them from the world and from the things that, you know, didn't go so great in their own lives growing up. And they, they that protective motherly instinct is so important, but it can often get in the way and it can be the thing that pushes your daughter away because she mm. sees that you're coming from a place of your own desires and anxiety and you're not considering their perspective and desires sometimes because yeah. you get so clouded by it. I think that's what we want is we want a mini me. We yeah. want somebody who's just like us, right? And then what if they're not? What if you don't even like your child's temperament, their personality? I mean, there's a lot more to that, that that goes on too. And that's where we get tripped up too, as parents, right? Those are the things we don't realize and we get triggered, we get frustrated and angry. And um, so I want to sort of pivot this a little bit because I know with that mother-daughter relationship, there's so many different things that go on. And one of the things that you guys are talking about um, and, um, and really, you know, uh, Jasmine, you're really taking it to, to the, well, you're both really taking it to the next level is this body positivity. And um, I, I have to tell you this story. I don't have daughters, I have boys. Um, and I think most people listening know that I have two teen boys. And, um, and so I haven't really worried about body image around them. They don't care. They don't look at me. They don't notice they, you know, none of that stuff. Right. And so, um, I haven't really, it's never come up. I've never brought it up and they don't. And again, it's not even on anybody's radar until the other day I was, um, stopping by, um, my sister-in-law's house with my beautiful nieces and one of them, um, so this just happened to be a day where I had no calls. I didn't have to be on video at all. And I was, I didn't have a shower that day. I didn't put any makeup on that day. I had an explosion of acne on my forehead. I had like all of this stuff, right? And my niece comes out to say hi to Auntie Robin. And I just love her to death. And she says, oh, Auntie Robin, I like your glasses. And I was like, ah, like, don't look at me. I'm hideous. I'm horrible. I'm like, oh. And then I was like, why? Why did I say that? Like, that was just my own. I just barfed it out without even thinking. And then, and then my sister-in-law is like, oh, Auntie Robin always looks beautiful or whatever she said. Right. And then I texted my sister-in-law later and I said, like, why am I so 
so like, why do I have to be so awkward? Why did I say what I said? I said, I'm so sorry. I want to, I want to be a strong female, um, influence for, you know, for my, for, for, for my nieces. And anyway, you know, she was really sweet and she's like, don't, don't add that to your stress, but I can imagine how hard it would be to always take the high road when it comes to stuff like that, when you're not feeling good about yourself. Right. And so this is sort of the, I kind of wanted to make that segue into what you talk about with body positivity. So um, tell me what that means for you. What is that all about? So, um, you know, sharing that story also made me think of, I don't know if you watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, but in the beginning, there's this very great scene where she gets out of bed after her husband falls asleep and she takes off her hair and makeup and she actually gets ready for the night. And then in the morning, she wakes up before him, puts all the makeup back on, redoes her hair and lies down in bed. So he thinks that she wakes up like that every morning. And yes, that's a bit of an antiquated thing that doesn't happen anymore, but it's still so prevalent in our culture that women need to put on the makeup. They need to put on the nice outfit if they're going out uh, because that's what we expect to see. And um, so I, I love that story that you shared because it is about learning that own comfort in yourself. And, you know, as much as the world has changed, I think we finally have space to talk about that and talk about mm-hmm. like, do I really need to put makeup on before I go do groceries? Do I really need to wear a bra or shave my legs? And right now is a great time to bring up those topics with your daughter mm-hmm. as well because we have this change in society right now. Yeah, we do. We do. And, and I think too, that, you know, it's okay if you love, I love makeup. I don't wear makeup to hide uh, the way I look. I wear makeup because I love it. Right. Mm-hmm. I love all the colors. I love playing with all that stuff and whatever. And, uh, and so for me, that's what that is for me. It's the love of it. Um, yeah. But um, it does, but, but the, on the flip side, it's like, you can't see me without it because I'm not worthy. That's Mm -hmm. the danger, right? Yeah. And that's the thing to talk about and really look inward at why do you feel good in it? Is it because you like playing with it and having that uh, creative expression or are you hiding a portion of whether it's your skin or your complexion that you're unhappy with Um, and really examining those and talking openly with your with your children about like I do this because you know I like wearing makeup it's an enjoyment for me it's not because I feel like I need to hide so just having that open dialogue Mm -hmm. and that honesty um, and recognizing even if you are insecure and you haven't worked through that yet telling your children that you are insecure and you're working on it will help them recognize that they can have the freedom to do that themselves. Yeah, I love that. That's really great. So, so Jenny, what was that like for you when, when you were, when you were raising Jasmine? I mean, were you talking openly about how you felt about yourself? How did you navigate that? You know, I did not do as good of job at this as I wish I would have done. You know, definitely I, I fell into the trap of like, Oh, I can't leave the house without putting the makeup on. Um, I felt like I was doing better in that I could just, you know, put some, a little bit of makeup on. I didn't need to do a full big face. And a lot of times I would go without the lipstick where my mother would never leave the house without lipstick. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like, if you leave the house without lipstick, I mean, the world was going to end. So I thought, well, I'm doing better. I, you know, I'm just putting a little bit of light, light uh, makeup on. Um, and there would be times I can remember Jasmine sitting there waiting and being like, looking at me like, really, mom? And I'm like, I have to just put a little bit of makeup on. Um, 
And, you know, again, not realizing what kind of message that was passing along to her. Now, as she became a teenager, I really tried to encourage her, you know, you don't need to wear makeup. If you want to wear makeup, you can wear makeup. You don't need to. So I tried to give her that messaging. Uh, but I didn't realize the example I was setting. Yeah. Yeah. I got to be honest as a Gen Xer, the older I get, the less I care. There's that, uh, there's that, but, but absolutely. I mean, I remember one time a friend of mine asking me, she's like, well, what if you don't have time to do your makeup? What would happen? And I said, I would be late. I would just be late. Like it was, it's non-negotiable. I would have to do it. Right. I will just happily be late instead of showing up without it. Yeah. So, so I totally get that. And we're seeing some pretty dramatic statistics about body negativity, not positivity, right? And we're looking at more than half of teens are scared of gaining weight. 65% of teens are afraid of gaining weight to the point that 44% of them are skipping meals as a way to control their weight. So weight is a big issue. I mean, we know that, right? We, t- we hear about diet culture. We, you know, we, we hear about body shaming, all of this stuff, right? Um, but it is really important that we bring this up because girls as young as six are starting to talk about their own weight and shape. And what, you gave me a stat that 40 to 60% of girls age six to 12 are concerned about their weight and becoming too fat. Yeah. And I gotta be honest, I think that's been happening for a long time. I don't think that's just Jasmine's generation. Like it yeah. was me too, my generation too. Well, it's so interesting that we're talking today. I don't know if you're aware, but, um, you know, in recording this, yesterday was actually World Obesity Day. Um, oh. So there is a nonprofit organization that has over $4 million in funding every year to advertise and advocate against obesity um, and to run ad campaigns, teaching people, educating people, um, I say that with quotations, about how to properly diet and exercise. Um, This year, there was a big online movement called World Obesity Day Hack that actually actively had fat people speaking out against this organization and this day of recognition. Um, Mm -hmm. It's a movement that we're seeing, you know, with the prevalence of online, TikTok, social media, people are finding those tribes and those people to support them um, in, you know, thinking critically about how does my weight actually really impact my health? Are they as tied as diet culture and doctors with their BMI measurement would have me believe and really looking into and examining internally how they feel health-wise as opposed to what does their weight and their scale tell them their health is? Hmm. So how do you navigate this as a parent then? Because look, if our kids are thinking about this at a young age, um, and, and so I have to say, I have, I have a client, we were just talking about this and, uh, and she was talking about her son and that he's gained quite a bit of weight. They did mm-hmm. a carb challenge together. She has lost a bunch of weight and she's worried about it. And, and look, we're, we're talking right now, it's March the 5th. So yesterday was March the 4th. That would have been that World Obesity Day. Today's the 5th. And, and, um, and so we're it's still in the midst of COVID is what my point is. And so it's harder to get out. It's harder to do things, organize sports, that sort of thing. And so, um, you know, we were talking about, uh, you know, what you might say to her is just please be careful about the message that you're giving him about not being good enough. And she's worried about bullies. 
he's about to start middle school, right? So how do you navigate that if you do have a child who is uh, overweight, obese, uh, heavy? I, I, you know, there's so many different ways of saying it. Like, wh- what do you do? Um, yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, I think that it's really important that we check our languaging around food and that we don't label food as good or bad, that we talk about the nourishment that we can get from food uh, and that we are making choices that are, you know, is this food nourishing me? How do I feel after I eat this food? You know, and not causing them to go like, oh, I feel gross and I got to go exercise, you know, kind of like the thing that we all do at Thanksgiving where we're like, oh my gosh, you know, not creating that languaging around it, but just talking about like, you know, did that nourish me? Because all food is okay. You know, it's just some food, we're going to feel better. We're going to have better energy. Um, We're not going to feel as sluggish. And so do we want to eat more foods that nourish? So talking about that, it's kind of like the same thing we talk about in mindfulness, where we don't label feelings as either bad or good. There's either pleasant or unpleasant feelings. um, And we try to operate more in the world of the pleasant. So same thing with food. We try to operate in a place that we, we sense and we notice our body enjoys that food and feels good with that food. Hmm. And so just really steering them towards the, the, the food that, that feels good. And, and we hope that the connection that's made is that, look, eating, you know, eating something, well, I don't want to say it now because we're saying food isn't good or bad, but you know, um, but you could say like having one donut versus eating a whole dozen donuts. How do you feel okay. afterwards? Like what, right. what is the impact on the rest of your day? Do you get really tired and you want to take a nap? Does your stomach get really upset and you're spending more time in the bathroom? Um, like having those kind of conversations can really help um, just directing it towards like what's what's the impact on you when you eat it you can enjoy it in the moment and mm-hmm. all food for the most part you know unless we're forcing ourselves to eat a flavor we don't like um, is going to be enjoyed in the moment but how mm-hmm. do you feel afterwards right yeah okay that's 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 really great and um, I have to t- I have to say this one stat uh, Jenny you sent me some information and this this just blows my mind that in the UK, the government plans to weigh its school children to combat obesity. What? Right, right. Well, and this goes back to the archaic BMI. Um, You know, the BMI was created, you know, in a time that really doesn't reflect where we are culturally today. Uh, And so it's a really archaic way of looking at, uh, you know, is someone healthy or not healthy? And, you know, it's interesting, we took the 23andMe DNA test not too long ago, and it was so fascinating for it to come back to me. And one of the things that it said is that, you know, because of your DNA, you actually are prone to weigh a little bit more. And I think that was actually really freeing for me to hear that. Um, And I realized, you know what, there's that French in me, there's that Spanish in me. And I think of like looking at, you know, going to the museum and you see at a time period back in the Renaissance, where you had more voluptuous women, and that was prized. I mean, uh, heavier women were seen as wealthier women because they actually had food. Um, And so I was like, well, okay, so there's my DNA. Uh, now I, I'm going to accept that I was, you know, related to Marie Antoinette and, uh, you know, I'm going to embrace these curves. <laughs> yeah, I love it. That is, that's, I mean, that's 
such a, a cool thing. And, 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 and it is true, right? Bodies are all different and we weigh what we weigh for lots of different reasons and skinny doesn't equal healthy at all, right? Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that the, the BMI, the body mass index was outdated. So uh, is that terrible that I didn't know that? I didn't know at all. You know, it's so commonly used that most people don't, but it was actually created in the 1830s by a mathematician, not a doctor, not a scientist, a mathematician to measure the health of a society, not an individual. Stop. Yeah. If you actually go and look at the history of it. And then what happened was, you know, in Western culture, we love our numbers and we love being able Mm -hmm. to say with a percentage accuracy, you know, how healthy somebody is. And that's, that's not something you can really do. So the BMI was taken up as this tool by insurance agencies and doctors to be able to quickly reference how healthy somebody is, but it was never designed as that. It was designed to look at a group of people as a whole. So it's, it's really fascinating that it's become so ingrained today in how we talk wow. about Developed in 18 something and been shaming women ever since. Yeah, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I used to work for Weight Watchers and that was, yep. Yeah, are you going to be on the top end or the low end of your BMI? Yeah. Right? Um, well, I don't know if you've heard Weight Watchers has actually released an app for children and teens now. Uh, which I mean, I have such a huge problem with that. And I, I really would love to see somebody address that with them publicly because trying to tell children to track their calories and track their weight at that can create a really unhealthy relationship with their food and with exercise. Like, you know, so often we tell our kids like, oh, you know, you need to go to gym class and you need to run that mile and you need to really move your body and exercise to stay healthy. But we never talk about what it feels like when they're doing that. Like what is good movement? What makes you feel energized afterwards? Like, uh, fun. yeah, what's fun? What do you enjoy? Like team sports. Those are great. If you enjoy them, even just going for a walk, doing some yoga, playing VR video games, all of that can be good movement that keeps right. you healthy. Well, okay. So if I, if I look at the conversation I had with this client that I had, I, I said, okay, like be really, and, and I want you to critique it for me. I, I said, <laughs> you know, be really careful about the messages that you're sending. Uh, I said, you know, look, you, you, you can't control everything that he eats, but you can control what food is purchased in your home. Um, and you can also make activity part of your lifestyle. So it's like weekends, we go for hikes on the, during the, the weekday, we, we do swimming or, or whatever. So it's not like you got to go exercise because you're fat, right. And you're going to get bullied. Like, who knows if he, you know what I mean? Like that's, that, that could be her fear too. I don't know. And anyway, Um, so, so does like, is that the right answer? Could that be the right answer or is there a better way that I could have handled that? I think it was great. I think that's a great way to do it is, you know, just to help the parents be a little bit more mindful of like, not saying you tagging it to, you need to exercise because you're heavy, but just it's, it's fun. Get out there. Let's do it on the weekends. This is just what we do as a family. Um, yes. And as a parent, you can control what you purchase in the house. I think the next level is just helping our kids to be mindful when they are eating, to actually notice the textures and the flavors, mm. to turn off the TV, to not be on the phone on social media, not be playing a game, that meals are you know, really a time to really tune into the flavors and the textures uh, and 
to take a moment between each bite because when we do take that moment between each bite, we probably are not gonna consume as many calories because we're gonna notice our body says, oh, I'm, I'm actually full now. I actually don't need that second helping because I haven't rushed through it and I've enjoyed my food. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, if you wanna have the ice cream, maybe it's, you know, it's five bites of the ice cream because we're already full from our dinner. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think the biggest thing is not to tag food as a reward. Because uh, I think a lot of parents will tend to do that. They're like, hey, if you behave in the grocery store, you can get a candy bar when we check out. Or, hey, if you did really good um, at school, you can get an ice cream today. So we're rewarding kids with food, which then becomes a lifelong pattern of them finding food as a reward and as a comfort, which, okay, sometimes food is a comfort. But, you know, there's a lot of other things that we can do to reward ourselves. It doesn't tag it to food. Food's to be something that nourishes our body. Nourishment, not coping. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's really good. Thank you for that. I, I really do appreciate that. I think that's, I think that's really good. How, how do you address the, the a situation? Let's say a child is getting bullied because of their, of their size. What, what do you do then? Well, so often, you know, bullies are actually coming from a place of their own low self-esteem and self-worth and having that conversation with your children and teaching them the emotional intelligence to recognize the pain that bully is feeling about themselves and that Mm -hmm. they are projecting those views and that mindset onto you, but really they're talking to their inner self um, Mm -hmm. can be a really good starting place to help them understand uh, Mm -hmm. and have compassion for those bullies. Yeah, that's a beautiful lesson. Easier said than done for sure. And actually in our episode, uh, Jenny, that you and I uh, did last year, I included a link to how to stop a bully. Um, So there's a really good video if you want to check out uh, the the mindfulness for teens episode from last year. Um, Okay, so I've got a couple more questions that I just want to I want to address. So uh, and I'm going to ask you about this, Jenny. Uh, What and, and we sort of touched on it, but I, but I, I want to kind of get like a real, a solidified answer for myself, <laughs> selfishly, even for other people, I mean for other people, uh, just kidding for me. Um, so what if you are struggling with your own weight, your own um, self-image? You know, what really do you want to do? Um, what if you are wanting to diet and lose some weight? You know, how do you communicate that in a way that um, is empowering and not disempowering? Yeah, so I I think it really is first starts with trying to have self-love wherever we are Mm. to have that compassion and acceptance and to really, and I know people struggle with this and they will tell me, Jenny, I can't do it. And I believe you can, it takes work to do it, but to actually look in the mirror and to actually say to yourself, I love you. I accept you Mm. just as you are. Mm. And today I am going to choose to maybe eat a little less just because I, you know, I feel like my body has, you know, a little bit that here is, you know, okay. If I eat a little less, I might feel like I can move a little easier in my body, Mm. but to really start first with self-acceptance and love, Mm. uh, take diet out of um, your terminology and really start to, for your own self, start to talk about like, I'm going to make choices today with food that 
nourishes my body and gives my body energy. Um, Mm -hmm. And I'm going to take time to actually eat those foods and enjoy those foods. Uh, and I'm going to get out and move a little bit today, not because I want to lose weight, but I know that my body's going to function better. It's going to digest my food better. I'm going to have more energy to get through my day. Mm. You're happier too, when you move more. Right. Um, and, and so then to add on to that is what you've already said. And, and that is to notice your food when you're eating it. So let's not be distracted. Not let's, let's not drive and eat. Let's not watch TV and eat. Let's not stand and eat. Let's just sit down and really take it in and, and notice when you are full and stop when you're full. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. So what if we start to notice our girls struggling and boys? I mean, this goes for, for both, but if, if we are starting to see our, our, a, a child who maybe is skipping meals, who is um, engaging in some dangerous behavior around food, what do we do? Talk, talk with them, you know, just have a conversation, just say, hey, I noticed that, you know, you've been picking at your food. Do you feel like this food isn't nourishing your body as much? Um, do you feel like the taste and the texture isn't something you like? And see if they can, you know, kind of start to open up. You know, uh, how are you feeling about yourself today? And just dialogue with them and, and create a space for them to share with you um, without shame, you know, whatever it is, you know, don't mm-hmm. judge, don't go in with judgment of like, you know, mm-hmm. oh, I think you're doing this to lose weight. Are you doing this to lose weight? Yeah. Start, a, start a dialogue and see if that starts to come out. And then to help them understand that they are wonderfully and beautifully made just as they are. And their body is where it needs to be right now. And that's okay. You know, mm-hmm. and your body's going to change, especially as we watch our kids go through puberty, their bodies are going to go through so much changes. Hormones are going to change that. And just to help them notice that, you know, hey, my body just might be going through some changes right now. That's okay. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, and what if that's not enough? I hate to say it, but what if it's not enough? I feel like it's so ingrained in us. I, I feel like my, if, if, if I was in that position or let's say somebody said that to me, I'd be like, yeah, but I still need to lose weight. And, and I admit that even me, I have a twisted sense of this. It's been so ingrained in me all of my entire life. Um, I have thought about my weight every single day, every day and how I'm not happy with it. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, you, you know, yeah. at that point, um, you, both you and your child should seek somebody to talk to about it, both individually and maybe even together. Um, you know, we started Vividly Confident, our life coaching, because we as a mother-daughter know this struggle and this conversation that you're going to have. And if we can be there to help you talk through it and help mm. ease that conversation yourself, um, that's what we aim to do. Um, you know, maybe you start small, you reach out to your own mom and start a dialogue, or you reach out to your sister or your best friend. Um, and then if things don't improve and you're still seeing your child mm. struggle, consider seeking somebody more professional. Yeah, that's so true. That's, I mean, that's exactly it. Um, thank you for that. That's, that's so important. And so tell me about Vividly Confident. Um, your website is vividlyconfident.com. Um, what is it all about? It's, um, it's really about 
sharing what we've learned uh, in the 28 years that I've been in, on this planet as a mother-daughter duo and in a relationship. Like we've we've been through it. We've talked through it ourselves. So if we can mm-hmm. share that and put that out there for other mothers to discover, or even mm-hmm. for daughters who, you know, all of us are online nowadays, even kids as young as six are on the internet and finding things. And if a daughter stumbles across that and thinks like, oh, I could talk to my mom. I could, I could say to her, honestly, like, mom, I noticed when you look in the mirror, you're unhappy with yourself. And I think you're beautiful. Like flipping that conversation on its head can be really powerful too. So that's, that's what we've created and what we're trying to share. I love it so much. And, uh, and yeah, and thank you for that. I mean, I think you, uh, focusing your work in this area is, is so powerful, so important. We need to change the way we look at ourselves and other people and diet culture to the BMI. You know, I've learned so much already from you. And, uh, and I just think that um, what you're sharing is, is, is really about us just taking our power back, believing in ourselves and in our own beauty and the fact that we are a gift, no matter what shape and size we are. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, to the other dialogue is also catching ourselves as moms after we've given birth, you know, there's been this whole trend within social media of like, I've gotten back to my pre-baby weight, you know, and you know, six, eight, 12 weeks, you're having these celebrities that, you know, I mean, it's, it's very unrealistic for the average woman because we don't have a chef and we don't have a personal trainer and we don't have a nanny who's showing up so that we can do all these things of working to get back to our pre, uh, pre-baby body, but to actually embrace our pre-baby body um, was, you know, meant something different. We're in a new phase of our life. So let's, let's embrace our body afterwards and look at those stretch marks, love those stretch marks, love the way maybe our belly even jiggles a little bit afterwards, knowing that that was a house for our child to grow in. And it's beautiful and it's wonderful. Um, one of the women that I find that's just um, very inspiring is uh, the model uh, Ashley Graham. And she talks about her journey. And she recently just came out about her journey, even talking about postpartum depression. And she is just absolutely just a wonderful model of embracing our curves, um, embracing our fuller bodies, um, and embracing just the changes our body has gone through. Mm. That's great. Well, I'm I'm feeling a shift in perspective, you know, sort of generally, and I hope the shift continues. And I hope that we start to really look at this in a different way, because we are, look at the three of us. We are all beautiful, powerful women who care about other people who want to be uh, change makers in this world. And how we look, how much we weigh should absolutely not be a part of that conversation, right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 Again, thank you for the work that you're doing. Can I just ask you one last question? If, if you know, for the people who are listening, what is, uh, and I'll ask each of you separately, what is the last thing you want to leave my listeners with? Whether it's about weight, body image, whether it's about mother-daughter relationship. Can I ask you, Jasmine, first? Like, what would you leave my listeners with? Yeah, I would say, you know, as a mother yourself, or even if you don't have children, 
go talk to your own mother today. Go tell her she is beautiful. Go turn that conversation around and give her the encouragement and open that dialogue because the healing that you will experience in your relationship with your own mother will be so beautiful and wonderful for you. So I encourage everybody to reach out to their moms after they listen to this. I love that. And how about you, Jenny? I think get curious about the messages that we're seeing out there and really try to turn them upside down, whether it's something you see on social media, something you see in, uh, you know, something you've watched on TV, be curious about the message and go, does that really fit for me? You know, Mm -hmm. and is that um, a storyline that I want to interject into myself or do I want to look at the world a little bit differently Mm -hmm. uh, than what the world is telling me to look at? Hmm. I think at the end of the day, we can all, we can all afford to be a little bit kinder to ourselves and others, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. This was such a great conversation. I feel like we could talk for days. This, there's so much more to even talk about, but I love your message. I love what you're doing. Thank you for being here. And, uh, and thank you for, um, thank you also for the gift that you, you have for everybody too, which is just some talking tips for, for you with your daughter. Um, and so uh, that will be on the, on the toolbox website. And, uh, and so thank you so much for that as well. Absolutely. Thank you. Robin. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and peace.